You are listening to the Photo Bomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photo Bomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Well, hello. I'm back in America. Fresh from abroad is what from you are. Ab- fresh from abroad, absolutely. Yes. You have been abroad. Uh, we have been off the air for two weeks. We, we yes. recorded a podcast while you were abroad. Yes, we did. But the difficulties involved with that have now prevented it from actually ever making it to air. But it, it may become a lost episode. It will, it'll be a deep it will cut. Be it'll be on the cuts. DVD release of the show. If you buy the it'll Blu-ray be in the DVD, DVD of the extras, show, yeah. <laughs> then you'll get the deep cut. Um, and you'll find out exactly what a sprinkler stare is. That's which is discussed so, wh- in that episode. What I uh, what I would love is if we did we we had a lost episode and then we went back and we did DVD commentary over our own commentary. <laughs> that, that, would, that would be super meta. So uh, yeah, I mean basically we have an episode. Um, because we recorded it over Skype and I was in Italy and there was a, a little more technical difficulty in the delay. So the episode's going to require a bit more editing. And honestly, I was just looking at it going, you know, I, there's no way I'm doing this while I'm on vacation. Right. I'm like, so I've got, <laughs> we've got, we've got, we brought in special editors to do this for us. And it's, uh, it's going to come out as maybe like a midweek or bonus episode. We're going to do it. Um, but it will come out and it's, it's actually a really funny one. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it, but, uh. We just got to get that uh, edited up nicely, but uh, and you'll find out all about how I um, almost didn't get to go on the trip and how I was worried whether or not I'd get back into America, and so uh, that's a great story, and I have an even better story for this episode, but I think we've got plenty more to talk about, but what's going on with you, Boo? Nothing's going on with me. Uh, I expect this episode to be mostly about you. You've been in, in Italy for two weeks so uh, you have stories to tell, and uh, I'm surprised. First of all, I want to find out. I do want to go right to the story of getting back into the country, because right, people people the, forget uh, that you are in fact a filthy foreigner who has no right, right. to be on American soil, and that's right. and you should be behind the wall with a ladder. <laughs> that's true. And uh, I, so uh, there were some difficulties with your passport to get out of the country, and then you were worried you wouldn't be able to get back into the country because it was a temporary passport. Right. Well, it's long, long, long story short is. I checked my passport the night before we flew. Uh, for those of you who uh, are listening to this and, and have not yet heard the lost episode that has not yet been released, and I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but my passport, as I learned, the night before we were to fly at about 11 o'clock at night was expired and uh, totally spaced it. And uh, anyway, got an emergency passport, but I had to miss the flight out with my family, and so I ended up being in Miami Beach for a couple of days, and luckily our friend of the show, Jeff Shaw, put me up. And while I dealt with the... Uh, the, the embassy down there and got an emergency passport and I was able to meet up with them. But here's the thing, also discovering when you, I, I was born in England, I'm not a U.S. citizen, I've been a permanent resident since I was about four years old. So that means I have a green card. I am a green carded immigrant here in the United States. And um, and I looked at my green card and it's, it expires next month. Like, <laughs> what? So, at what point are you going to take this seriously? I mean, <laughs> since you were four years old. This has been something you've had to deal with. You know, this is like my wife who can't remember to buy uh, feminine products. Well, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, at, at wow. what point are you That's going a, it's to... It's exactly just... the same thing. You're right. No, it's I'm just saying, this is something you've been dealing with your entire life. And I would think that by now, you would have it down to, you know what, I need to make sure I, I, this is always taken care of. Well, that's the thing is, you, your, your passport is good for 10 years. 
You know oh, what I mean? Okay. And it, so it's not like I got to renew it every six months or every year. You know, it's if they like, need a I feminine just, product that was good for 10 years, I would understand why she forgets. Yeah, I was going to say, with, but with me and Bobby's feminine products, it's exactly the same thing as <laughs> okay. if, if she had her that's menstrual true. cycle once that's, every decade. That's true. You get, that's true. <laughs> then I guess I could understand why it would slip your mind. <laughs> then, then you really, yeah. And so, I mean, and the, the, the green card is the same. Like it's, so it's 10 years. And so, um, I uh, and I renew them. Typically, they come around at the same time, and so um, <laughs> yeah. So when you travel on a passport and you're going to a different country, um, a lot of countries won't let you travel if you don't have six months left on your passport, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. You know, but they want you to have at least six months of space on the end of your passport before they'll let you travel. Why? Well, why. What, ha- what happens if you're I, overseas and it expires? They just kick you out of the country anyway. So why would it? No, matter? I mean, if you're going back to your country of origin, though, typically it's not a problem. Like, um, but anyway, I thought that maybe there was a similar stipulation with a green card. It's like I would get back to America and be like, "You got two weeks left, boy. You ain't coming back on U.S. soil. You go back to yeah. England." Yeah. yeah so, you get, get, get your ass back to your little island, boy. But uh, anyway, so I was so worried about it, and I got to uh, immigration coming back into the States. And again, I had to fly back by myself because Air Canada may, a la, infest your armpits with the fleas of a thousand camels. Uh, they can't. They wouldn't let me take my return flight back. They canceled my whole thing because I had to reschedule my first flight. And so I lost my flight home, had to buy a whole new ticket to come home again, separate from my family. And so I was at the immigration, the passport control, and I just handed the guy everything. And I just thought, I'm going to be really jovial, be really friendly, and just start talking to him. And he's just sitting there like – They have no, – yeah, yeah. They have zero, like zero S to give for you and you're jovial. There's 600 people behind me in line. It's just a thousand-yard stare. And he just looks at it and he looks at my face and looks at, looks at my face and he goes – have a nice day. Right. <laughs> this thing I was so stressed out about it took like ten seconds. Anyway, so I'm back and uh, just. I get nervous again. anytime I have to deal with anybody like that. Even if I'm not smuggling a parrot in my underwear, I am just I am nervous. You usually are. Though. Yeah. Anytime I have to go through any customs or anything, you know, I'm that guy who's just a little nervous, and they have to deal with me and a thousand more just like me every day. You know, they right. just they're over it, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, if, although when it comes to airport security, I feel like every airport security team on every shift, there's one guy who's like a failed stand up comedian. Do you ever get that guy? There's always yeah. the one guy who's just walking up and down the line making jokes. It's like, and don't forget to take off your shoes, but not your pants. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like that guy. Like, oh, oh. I, I really appreciate that you're trying to make, you know, lemonade out of your lemons of your life here. Uh, but, uh, you know, please, it's it's 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm just trying to get on a plane that I'm already late for. What I really don't need is the, the guy stuffed into two size, two small slacks, uh, blue security shirt, comedy hour. I don't need that. I so just let me ask you this. Cool. So what do you what would you what would you surmise the whole thing cost you the slip up? Oh. Well, with having to go to Miami and having to rebook your flight and all of that sort of this is okay, you know, flight, this is where I live. Because me, if this happened to me, my first thing would be, "Oh my God, how much is this costing me now?" In addition to having to fly Miami. Well, then. The, uh, the I had to get an emergency passport one for both ways because Air Canada wouldn't let me take my flight back. I actually had to go to the 
the British Embassy in Rome and get another emergency passport for the way back. Okay. Because you can't change your itinerary once you have the emergency passport. So say, for example, if you have an emergency passport to come back from Rome and your flight gets canceled and you have to fly back the next day, you have to get a new emergency passport. You have to fly on the day that it says you're going to fly. That's how an okay. emergency passport works. Wow. And so I had to get a new one from Rome to come back. And every time you get an emergency passport, it's about 150 bucks. Okay, so well. uh, I had to get one both ways. That's $300. Flight to Miami uh, was 200, 250 bucks. Uh, anybody doing the calculating? I'm doing it, yeah. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to get a hotel because Jeff Shaw put me up, so that was really cool. Um, let's say I had to get uh, my new flight to Rome was another uh, 650 bucks. Okay. And then... Um, what about your return flight? It cost more because you my to... yeah my rental car was uh, was was probably two hundred bucks because I had to get a rental car to go and meet my family in Rome. I had to have a rental car in Miami, so that was another probably hundred bucks. And then uh, probably my return flight was another seven hundred bucks. And then uh, yeah, so I mean it was it was a probably at least. Yeah, about about two, somewhere between two and three. If, if you count the extra meals and stuff that I had to buy, or, right. and the, uh, the and and since I uh, had a whole day to kill in Miami, and I just spent the day at the movie theater, <laughs> so all those movie tickets, you know, it was like a hundred degrees outside. It wasn't going to be outside, um, but yeah. So it was it, yeah. It was pretty much. Uh, there's nothing anybody could say that would make me feel worse than uh, watching Julie burst into tears when I. Had to tell her my passport was expired the night wow. before, and then the two thousand bucks it cost me to hustle after that mistake. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it was. Uh, yeah. But anyway, all is good. I'm here, and um, I think I've decided. I think I've decided to to uh, apply for my U.S. citizenship. Let's talk about that, uh, Gary Hughes. You're in your thirties now. I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised this isn't something that's come up before. That you've you know, thought, it's, no, apply for. Hey, let me ask you this. What's the downside? Is there, a, is there um, any tax implication or anything? It depends on how you feel about politics in America right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you live here. I'm just saying. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, as a green There's, card there, there alien, really, there really filthy, limey, you, but you still pay full taxes like the rest of us, right? Yes, I do. I pay okay, taxes. So, I pay Social Security. So becoming I pay a citizen everything. means you get to vote, and mm-hmm. but you, there's no. I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, well, you'd have dual citizenship between here and you England. could, yeah. I could, yeah. That that's a special application where I can retain my citizenship in both places. Yeah, like, like being bilingual. Oh yeah, or you bisexual. Have the, you'd have to learn the language then. Yeah. <laughs> I tell if you, you become a, a citizen, bit. Gary, we're going to expect you to learn the language. I'll work on it. <laughs> but there's a, so I was thinking about doing that because then I just don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. But here's what happened. I was at the, the consulate in Miami, and the guy who was helping me out was about my age. Nice guy. And by the way, they were phenomenal in Rome and in Miami. They were just unbelievable. They well, had the a little guest book next, well, to, the, the next to the help window where people would uh, you know, sign in or like leave comments almost like at a bed and breakfast. <laughs> And everybody was so thrilled with their service. But there is no way if you end up in the middle of the day sitting on a bench waiting in line with a ticket in your hand at a, at a, at a British consulate or British embassy, like you're not there because you're having a great time. No, 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 like no. you're there because you got robbed and somebody took your passport or you're there because somebody died and you need an emergency passport. Or, you know, like There's no fun reason to be there. It's right. not like where all the cool kids are hanging out doing fun stuff. Right. But he told me that um, – now, the current U.S. administration's immigration policies are so tough that he recently um, was working on a case of a kid who's just like me, whose parents moved from England to the States when he was like 
three years old, and when he um, and he was is now twenty three, and he got a DUI, and he's been here his whole life. He all his family's here. He has nobody back in the UK, and he got a DUI, and they deported him. He's just kept oh. a green card. Just yeah. Really? Like, stuff like that. Could, and it doesn't matter. Like, I could, I could, whether I, it do, I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter anything else I've got going on here. Now he is deported back to England and lives there now and has nobody there, no family, no nothing. And he's stuck there forever, basically. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. I had no so idea. So I was like, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll fill out the paperwork, you know, yeah. um, so that I don't, um, who knows? Who knows? But it, you know what? Right. You're right. There's no downside. And I'm proud to be. Uh, a resident. I've lived in America my whole life. I know. In, in fact, I would. I couldn't pass a third grade English history test. <laughs> like, you know yeah, right. I mean? who, like, yeah. Who was Edward Longshanks? Um, rapper. Was, yeah, <laughs> that sounds a pretty good rapper name, actually. I'm surprised <laughs> that hasn't been taken. MC Longshanks. MC Longshanks. Wicka wicka wicka. That would be a good name. I like. Yeah. That. <laughs> Go ahead and Google uh, Edward the Longshanks. Okay. Slash Braveheart, you have a you have a great yeah, time. Yeah, he was in Brave. He was the, he was the guy in Braveheart. Uh, if you go yes. to if you go to uh, Winchester Cathedral, he's buried there on the tour. Where they, there's a little alcove there where he's buried. Uh, Good for him. Winchester Cathedral. Okay, so the other thing I wanted to ask you about is you were in Italy. You traveled all over. Uh, two things to talk about: a Randy Van Dyne. Oh boy, yeah, he went he went on the trip that we hosted in Tuscany. Yeah, and, and I didn't I didn't. Uh, and and B, um, I want to talk about the Canon M5. You took the new uh, little you know point and shoot kind of camera with you, and yes. so I think you, I imagine you gave it a full workout. And so let's oh, yeah. let's find out what a professional shooter when he goes without his professional camera and tries to go in between a phone and his pro DSLR. How does that experience shape out for you? I had, uh, you know, first of all, it's a phenomenal camera, um, the M5. It's basically, it's the Canon um, 80D in a mirrorless body. So it, it's, a, it's, it's got pretty much the same guts as, as, a, as a prosumer level DSLR in, in, in a much smaller package. It doesn't have some of the cooler features that, that um, some, like, people wish there was 4K video. It only does 1080p. I don't think that really concerns me a whole lot. Um, and... Um, there's some issues going from a, a, a mirrored, like a DSLR to a mirror. The biggest difference to me is the electronic viewfinder. The electronic viewfinder is, um, you know, it's just not as, you feel like you're missing stuff um, and like you can't quite grab the moment because when you're looking through the viewfinder, there's a little sensor that turns the viewfinder on to show that you're using the viewfinder instead of the LCD screen on the back of the camera. Right. And, um, it, it, and if you keep your eye on the viewfinder while you're shooting, it shows you a preview of the image you just took after every one. And so you got to go in there and turn that off okay. because if you're trying to shoot multiple images, like, boom, recompose, look again, shoot, it just keeps popping up the damn image you just took in your face. So like, Does the viewfinder it, show you your exposure in real time before you pull the trigger? Absolutely, yeah. It That's does. convenient so because you can really see right convenient. away if it's too bright or if it's oh. too dark. So the, the problem with the electronic viewfinder is the same as it would be with any mirrorless camera. They all have to have an electronic viewfinder um, or they don't have a viewfinder at all and you just use the LCD screen like the Canon M6, which is the M5 just sort of without a viewfinder. <clears throat> um, but bottom line is I absolutely loved it. There were some really cool features. One is I had a, a lens that's essentially it was um, uh, like an 18 to 150, which on an ASB-C chip is like, 
basically a 28 to 200 and something like it's a it's it's just an amazing range so i had one lens on the entire time i didn't have to change lenses and it's not quite as awesome and epic and it's not super fast so you can i mean it's like f5 6 or f4 5 is the fastest you can go um but i gotta tell you i had it's the first time i've gone on a trip like this and not taken my dslr and i absolutely had a fantastic time with it. i took more pictures than i've ever taken right i had more fun with it um and i i felt so little pressure. The amazing thing is, you and I both know that we're guys who we don't really like to shoot when we're not working, you know. And um, because we we shoot a lot, and it's we're fine with not shooting all the time. But I got to tell you, I had so much fun taking pictures with this thing and seeing what it could do. Um, it was basically it was the first time like photography was really really fun and not a burden. Because when I was done taking pictures, I just stuffed it back in my backpack right. and kept going. It wasn't like I had to make a whole production out of pulling it out and putting the big 70 to 200 on it was just an absolute it was light it was easy it was a it was a pleasure i'm even considering just having it with me when i do stuff all the time now just because it's so easy to take around with you um a couple of cool features that um instead of i know how much you love the toggle switch to choose your focus point like that hard toggle switch um on the on the mark uh, or on the m5 it's really cool the lcd screen actually works as your toggle switch so when your eyes up to the electronic viewfinder you can sl- you slide your thumb around the LCD screen and it moves your focus point. So you can okay. basically put it exactly where you want it. And it's a little weird to get used to at first, but um, it's a really, really – you can actually put it right on the part of the image where you want. There's no specific preset focus point. It's actually really, really cool. Oh, that is cool because that happens yeah. the long, you know, with, your, with the Canon you, the, you know, because there, there are points in there. You'll be like, okay, it's this point or this point, but I kind of want to be in between those two points, and there's no way mm-hmm. to really do that. And so you still end up with a little bit of locked focus and reposition, uh, even when you're moving the thing around. The uh, the new Fuji, I have the X100S, and the new Fuji, I don't know what, what it's called, but the new model of that one has the toggle on the back now. And, yeah, the new which uh, I the, re- I really wanted, but I, A9, I think I did the I did the math, and I'm like, okay, so thirteen hundred dollars for the new camera. Mine will probably sell for about five hundred five six. That's eight hundred dollars I would have to spend to get the toggle switch, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and a li- I think it does a couple of other things a little bit a little bit better than the old one. I'm just like, no, I can't justify my walking around camera. I mean, what what's the M5 only? It costs less than a thousand, doesn't it? Yeah, I got the I got the lens. It was like a fifteen to forty five, which or something. It's basically a twenty four to seventy on a full frame, um, and the body for like a thousand even. So, well, I, I saw mean, that one. In- I saw that one. I saw a picture that you put up of uh, from Venice. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought the dynamic range was good. The color was great. You know, just I mean, looking at it on Facebook, but it, it, you would never guess it was it was done with a point and shoot. Yeah, it was it was a, uh, a it was a Rialto bridge right in the main canal in Venice, and um, handheld. What's cool is everything's stabilized. Like the camera's got a stabilizer for video. The lenses are st- like you can do a lot, a lot with it. And um, I had a blast shooting with it. It's definitely, and I think that depending on what kind of photography that you do. Like if you're a, you know, you shoot for large, huge portraits and landscapes and you're printing 30, 40 inch prints, you'd probably be okay with it. But really, like for what I do, shooting headshots and doing a lot of digital delivery for my clients, I could almost use this in my studio instead of my 5D4. Like the quality is that good. And it's and, and again, it's, it's about the delivery. But I'm very, very happy with it. Um, it's my first... Uh, mirrorless like this so I'm sure that it's not you know there are others features and I can't necessarily have anything to compare it to but just 
not taking my DSLR was the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah. The coolest yeah. thing in the world. Yeah. I did and a lot of research co- before I bought great mine, the images. But they're all good now. You know, and, and I mean, one I haven't really looked into it much, but uh, I know Lumix, you know, the Panasonic uh, Lumix line is supposed to be really good too. And, yeah, uh, I thought just saw a review on the GH5, um, which is one of their mirrorless cameras, and it is, uh, it's like a video guy's dream. The new Panasonic GH5, it's a, it, it's perfect for doing run and gun videos with like 4K quality. It's got all the inputs on the outside that you'd ever want, and crazy good slow mo, like high frame rate stuff. I mean, it's, I mean, the the Cameras are getting ridiculous at this point. They are. It, they, everything's good. There's just no, yeah. there's no bad anymore. Mine's no, no. not here. I sent mine off to Canon, uh, by the way. Hey, I wanted to ask you, because uh, then you do this. If you have a lens, if you have a lens or whatever that breaks, you get a problem, and you send it off to Canon Professional Services and have it fixed, you can file that claim with PPA, right? Um, my lens was, um, I did because the cost of the repair was more than what the lens was worth. Okay. And so I use PhotoCare Plus, uh, which is basically PhotoCare is a part of your PPA membership. You have to opt into it, and you can get um, a certain amount of equipment insurance for free. Well, not for free, but it's included in the cost of your membership, which is really cool. And I dropped my 24 to 70 at a wedding in in an elevator, and then it just lost the ability to focus. Right. So um, I sent it in, and it's the old version of the Canon 24 to 70 28. And it, the repair was going to be like 750 bucks, and I could replace it for that much. And so I basically I sent the, you know the the my proof of ownership and the repair estimate to PhotoCare Insurance, whatever I forget the name of the insurance company, um, and they sent me a check minus because there's um depending on what level you have there's deductibles for accidental damage like you pay so but basically I got a check for. Like three hundred bucks, which is the difference between the deductible and the perceived value of the lens. Yeah, and then I, I just had mine fixed. My twenty four seventy wasn't focusing, and I just had it fixed. And I want to say it was um, three fifty four hundred bucks. And isn't the deductible like two hundred dollars? It's two hundred and fifty bucks basic deductible, but if it's accidental damage, um, I think there's another two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, so it was like a five hundred dollar. Mine wasn't damaged at all. It just stopped focusing. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to look into that because maybe I can get a couple hundred bucks back from uh, the PPA insurance. Yeah, I, I, I filed the claim, and then I, it's not like they had me send them the lens, the insurance company. You know, right. I still had the lens. So I took it. There's a place in my town. There's a guy who repairs lenses and stuff, and he's always looking for spare parts for common lenses. And he gave me 300 bucks for my lens just for parts. And so I got that in a $300 check, and I used that money to buy a new or a used version of the exact same lens. So, okay. I mean, I got, I got made whole pretty well. So, I mean, it's a cool program. You can definitely get better insurance, but especially for someone who's starting out um, and you don't have equipment insurance of your own just to join PPA, and you get that insurance as one of the many benefits. It's just a pretty cool, just a pretty cool thing to have. But, um, but yeah, so I'm, I, I made it back into the United States. Uh, Italy went great. Randy Van Dynen was there. In all his glory, we uh, <laughs> we had a pretty great time um, drinking a lot of wine, eating a lot of food, and uh, taking lots and lots and lots of pictures. And man, let me tell you what, if you didn't know this, he actually carries around an MP3 version of the Randy Van Dynan song on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, you I did in fact know that because people have told me that he has come up to them and played it for them. Yeah, well, you know, Randy, here's to you, buddy. I'm glad you're proud of it. That makes us that makes us happy that you enjoy that. But uh, yeah, so I'm back now, getting back to work. Uh, got shoots coming up, and so um, 
you know, we put it out on the Facebook page today that we were going to record, and people have sent us in some suggestions. Did you want to do any of that stuff? Or? Sure, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> there was one um, one that I thought was pretty cool from Bruce Press, longtime listener of the show. Um, he said he wants to know about the value of sharing video and behind the scenes. Um, permitting your uh, of your studio and the best way to do them. I thought that was pretty cool. All right. Um, do you do anything like that? Like I know you're not. Like- you know, I do sometimes, but um, I have no idea if it's at all valuable. I feel like right. I feel like there's I feel like so many people are like we've got to have uh, we got to have the the live thing going on on uh, Instagram every day. Like you're on Instagram every day where you're looking into the camera and talking about something okay yes and i see a it, lot but i don't hear it because i have the volume turned out on my phone and i'm in the doctor's office i'm gonna hit the instagram thing and there's gary's face talking to the camera and i'm like okay moving on because i can't listen to you in the middle of the doctor's office you know and so i wonder how many other people don't listen to you because listening is harder on a phone than reading and if they were listening what value would they get out of that in terms of becoming clients I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't know when you're trying to sell to customers, to clients, your photography, I don't know how valuable that stuff is. Now, if you are trying to market yourself as a rock star educator, well, then, yeah, I think it's much more valuable to you that way. But I have no idea if it helps you with your clients. I mean, you do it um, more than I do. Yeah, you know, I tell you, you know, Julie and I made this commitment a while back, um, it was about a year and a half ago now, to really up our marketing game. It's been a big big thing for us and that's one of the jobs in the studio is i'm the i do all the social media stuff and i've been kind of slacking ass the last couple of weeks because i've been too busy getting drunk in italy but uh i have been I, I do reason. pretty good with it um i think that it's important to understand who your clients are and how they find you and for most of us in photography or portrait and wedding photographers whether you photograph families or uh babies or weddings or corporate stuff the people that are hiring you or me at least are and those a lot of those decision makers are people that we call millennials you know born probably from i would say 1984 to 2000 you know and um, so i mean these you got people that are in their 30s um and even some some of the online um marketing consider all the way back to like 1980 to be millennials and so um, we're talking about people in their 30s that are making buying decisions, that are getting married, that are having kids, all this kind of stuff. And these are people that are very, very active on social media. So the things that we know about millennials are, one, um, that they are um, the most savvy generation of buyers that has ever lived because they have the mo- they grew up with the most resources to be able to check things out online, to shop for the best price. People that prefer to buy something um, – on Amazon and get it less expensive, like going into Best Buy to look at what's there <laughs> and ordering it on Amazon. Right. You know that that's not exactly the same move, but um, we know that they're um, tech savvy. We know that they're that they're um, price savvy, and we know that they are um, buyer. Not only that, but they're more than any other generation. They're values buyers, and millennials connect with the brands that they buy from, and they only or they tend to prefer to buy from brands that they connect with. And so, um, and and I am not one of those people that likes to use millennials as a dirty word. I think that that's the stupidest trope in the world. Every generation hates the younger generation that's coming up, um, and I think that's goes all the I way use back it as to a the dirty beginning. Word all the time. Yeah, mostly during so sex. So I'm not during okay. sex. Oh. I like to I like to throw out millennial. You know, <laughs> it, it turns on the white. Like I, I'm pretending you're a millennial right now. <laughs> yes. 
I don't want to go into the details of my of my bedroom talk, Gary. I'm just saying that okay. you know, I, you know, I like to use it as a dirty. But, word. but talking about Bobby's during sex, is I'm just saying that there there are times when uh, the proper usage of the word millennial can bring a little something extra out of your wife. Well, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, what I'd like you to do, just go ahead and film a bit of the next. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Just, just audio, just, just audio. Straight, straight, straight to filming. That's nice. <laughs> I mentioned it. Now if you could just film it and post it on YouTube, that'd be great. Just audio. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see your old balls. I find this seriously though for a second. I find it interesting. You said two things that to me sounded like they were contradictory. You said that they are the most value conscious and the most savvy shoppers, and then you said they connect with a brand and they want to buy from a brand, which goes against the idea of being such a savvy shopper. Because if you're connected to a brand and I want Nike then you can't get the cheapest tennis shoes because Reeboks are cheaper this week because you're connected to Nike. I mean, you may can find the cheapest Nikes, but you're buying Nikes if you're connected to that brand. Yeah, again, that's, you exactly answered the question. I don't think that's exclusive. I, I, I think that you're going to find the cheapest place that those Nikes are sold on the Internet. Right. You're not just going to go to their local shoe store because it's the closest thing to them and buy it. You know, they're going to look and they're going to pair every possible price. So we've got people that do research when they buy things is the point. And so the values uh, buying goes back to they want to feel good about what they buy. By and large, this isn't everybody, you know, um, but these are the people with spendable income um, on things like photography. Uh, so, like, they're going to they're gonna want to connect with the brand. They're going to identify with it. And not only that, but I think you have an advantage now with all of the video and online content that we're able to produce to be able to connect with people, show them a little something about you. And so um, – I think that when they're making those decisions to make purchases, to have as much of you out there as a small business, because it's it's you know what are the trend the big trends in purchasing right now like locally sourced, organic, artisanal, and we know that um, millennials are also experienced buyers. They will spend more money on something if they feel connected to it and if they get a good experience out of it. So when it comes to something that you can't really be connected to, like toilet paper, you'll just buy whatever the least expensive version for the product you want you can find but when it comes to hiring a photographer or doing or or going to going out to dinner or going on a trip you know the things that the, the my generation will spend money on are the things that the the ways that you will bypass that thriftiness is going to be if you give them an experience and if you connect with them on a values level and if you provide provide value by and the things that provide value are like locally sourced organic artisanal you know all those things that sort of like different version it's why that every single um you know mid-level family dining restaurant has been taken a hit because the people that are spending the money and taking their family out to dinner would much rather go to a locally owned place a place that supports their town a place that supports their values and i think that that shows economically um so you've got a couple of things going on at the same time you have the economy the retail economy um, hurting very badly in a lot of ways, but also bolstered in a lot of ways because people do want to shop local. So you're losing a lot of the um, the businesses that the chain businesses are hurting. Walmart's closing stores. You know, a lot of companies Sears. are Sears. Like the, these people are getting hurt, but you're getting a lot more support for mom and pop businesses. However, again, this generation is also the most critical. And so they're the ones that will eviscerate you on the internet if you're yeah. not good or give you a one star rating. Yes. Or, you know, Yelp you know, is the worst thing ever invented. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, well, I, I, ladies and gentlemen, Yelp is a scourge on our society. I'm I would just, say probably the nuclear bomb or mustard gas, but you know, yeah, Yelp is bad too. I'm going to put Yelp up there, below the nuclear bomb, but, but ahead of the mustard gas. 
Okay, <laughs> like wedge it right in there. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a close second neck and neck with the mustard gas and the yelp. Oh, okay. All right, well, I'm just putting that in my my mind to formulate my thoughts. Um, so to, to the answer to the questions, um, in our business, we do a lot of behind the scenes. Instagram stories has helped. Um, Facebook Live is huge. I just pulled up a couple of examples. This headshot job that I did right before we left to go to Italy, and I did 500 headshots at a big convention. Um, we did a Facebook Live video, no boosting, no paying extra money for it, and I have just around 3,000 or so li- uh, likes on my business Facebook page. So it's not a ton, it's not a huge amount, but it's a healthy amount, and I have a good a good following. Um, we reached with that live video, 5,670 people saw that video. Okay. Um, and tw- and and 2,100 people actually watched it. So that's pretty cool. Um, so that's that's advertising that you can't you know maybe somebody popped in they popped out but ultimately you are placing yourselves into somebody's stream into somebody's life and you're putting something interesting and active going on and i think that um we do everything from behind the scenes of photo shoots to time lapse videos but basically i think that um it's valuable because people do come into my studio on a regular basis on the days when i have sessions booked and i cannot tell at least a couple of times a week somebody mentions our social media presence somebody mentions that they saw something that we did um i have people who come in who work in marketing that are like you guys are doing a great job um you know i was really impressed because i think that people making these buying decisions at this age at this generation are going to check you out everywhere they can check you out they're going to go to your google maps places business page or whatever and do the virtual tour of your studio they're going to check out your website they're going to check out your instagram they're going to look at your stories you know people actually do really really check you out and whether or not they're telling you that they're doing that is either you may not have that content out there or you're not soliciting that information from them when they come in because I always ask people how they found us and what they've seen of ours and I get that and I ask for that feedback all the time so that I know what is and isn't working it's in every phone conversation in every correspondence that we're always trying to find out how they got to us and why they picked us and I think that if you're not asking those questions in your business how did you find us why did you pick us over everybody else then you're missing a lot of really good feedback on how you can tweak your business and your marketing and so the video thing has been working very very well for us and I listen to a lot of um social media and marketing podcasts, follow a lot of social media and marketing blogs, and the prevailing um, thought right now is that video is absolutely everything. Video is absolutely everything. I even watched last night the season finale of Saturday Night Live, and you know how they do the bumper photos of the celebrities in between segments? Yeah. Now they're video. Wow. It's been that way for 40 years. Well, they still do the still shots, but when they bring them back, it's usually like it's a video now. Like, it's crazy. And, and, I, and I had this thought, and I'm seriously, this morning, I'm, I'm mopping my kitchen floor, doing the dishes, cleaning up the, cleaning up the house. It's a sat- weekend ritual. And I'm sitting there listening to my headphones, thinking about where the business is going. And I even thought about today starting to offer um, moving headshots. Because Facebook allows you now to have a, a video for your profile picture, and and if you think that that's not there's not going to be more of that, think about when you watch an NFL game and they bring up the player's picture and right. they're showing their stats. It used to be a still, and now it's video. I mean, I'm just video something that moves motion, interaction, anything that grabs attention or makes the you stay for like the newspaper, yeah. paper in, in Harry Potter or Minority yeah. Report. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. The newspaper moves. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, serious I, it, black. It's, ah. 
Yeah, anything <laughs> that gets people to stop <laughs> to stop scrolling for a second and look at what you're doing, whether it be a cinemagraph, a video ad, five seconds, ten seconds, motion, it is proven again and again and again by these social media marketing strategists and experts that motion right now is the thing that you want to do to set yourself apart. And so um, the real trick is how do I do it, how do I fit it into what I'm doing, and how do I make it not the biggest pain in the ass in the whole world that now I'm right. editing video all the time. Right. Um, there are tons of great apps I recommend. Um, Flixel is really good. Lapsit is another good one. Time lapses are great. People really like those. So we do time lapse of setting up, shooting headshots, whatever. And those you can do with your phone. And I got a little Manfrotto Pixie tri- tripod. And, uh, and I uh, just set that up and while I'm setting stuff up and breaking it down. Just really just fitting it into what you're already doing. You know, doing a little like when, you're, when your client session is over, get them to do a little on your Instagram story, a little, hey, thumbs up, had a great time with you or whatever. Get people to check in. You know, just working it into your daily routine. You don't have to be producing a 15-minute documentary of all See, I did that. Sessions. I did that. I had a, a wedding on the beach, and I went, and I was like, I'm going to document this whole thing in the, uh, I don't know what it's called, on Instagram. What's it called? On Stories? Stories. It's stories. Yeah. So, I'm like, here I am. Here's my gear. Here's what the day looks like. Here's the setup. Uh, you know, here's a couple of shots and while I'm doing it. And then when I was finished, I did a little selfie with me and the bride and the groom and, and live video. I was like, you know, wave goodbye, everybody. Yay, da, 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 you know, and I put that out there and, and it's only there for a day, you know, and then it's gone. And I'm like, I have no idea that does anything for me. And I, and I think somebody, and who was it? My, my daughter, my 13 year old daughter, she saw it and she was like, why did you have uh, the live video of you with the people? And I'm like, well, you know, because the whole thing was about me taking their picture. So I thought, here's a little quick live video of them and everything. But then, of course, the minute she questioned it, now I questioned it all. Because she's 13 and spends her life on her phone. And if she thought that was stupid, who else thought it was stupid? <laughs> so, I, yeah, that's, that, that is interesting to have that feedback in your house, you know, from people. <laughs> At 13, yeah. I think they're not necessarily your target no. audience. They're the next <laughs> no, certainly not. And not only that, but the buying power of a 13-year-old is essentially nothing. Also, you have so, to keep into consideration the desire that she has to make fun of me as much as possible. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, you can't, there, you cannot factor that into. Yes, much. you can't, you cannot you overestimate can't. the ridicule of your daughter <laughs> for you. Now, I would, I would definitely say that if you do it once. It's like when you send out an email blast for a special. If you send it out and nothing happens, and you oh well, I guess email blasts don't work. You know that right. that's a really bad mentality to have. Like marketing is something that you have to do consistently. It's like a it's like an it's like a drug that builds up in your system that you have to. It takes a couple of weeks for it to to the concentration to get up. Like you don't necessarily start to see the rewards of a good marketing strategy immediately. Although there are some exceptions to that but it's something you have to build up and sustain and it builds like a snowball and i think that people want that immediate gratification it's like well i made a meme about how i'm having a baby sale or a baby photo (laughs) no i'm not selling babies i'm having a baby Mm -hmm. portrait sale or whatever and uh, and nobody books so i guess marketing doesn't work right and i think that's this you know it's so stupid to have that mentality where you go all right well i'm just not going to do that what else can i do to bring stuff into my business i guess i'll mail out a circular (laughs) what about people what about people who um just aren't comfortable in front of the camera or 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 who don't feel they fit into the target market because part of marketing in this way is that you want to present to your potential clients as your potential clients either want to be you or they want to hang out with you 
like you're old and ugly and you and you're not cool enough to be on camera. Yeah, let's let's say that you're a <laughs> uh, little bit older than your target market. And, Maybe fifty three, and, and your face has been ravaged by cancer, uh, and so you don't. Uh, you and so you 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 don't. You I think it works against me. If the twenty if the twenty five year old sees me on video, it works against them wanting to book me. That they're better off seeing my work because it's then funny. I get them in the I, studio I, and win them over. I follow lots of people on Instagram and social media that that don't appear themselves in their stuff. They're, it's usually pictures of what they're doing or pictures of their desk or pictures of what they're working on or their computer screen. Like I, there are very often very successful social media accounts that follow that sort of protocol that where they don't. They're not always like I put my big stupid face in the camera because it's like there's not that much interesting stuff going on around. Right. <laughs> like, but um, I would recommend you got to define a voice for every social media outlet that you use. And so um, whatever it is, if your voice is to show, you know, finished images on Instagram and that's what you do, and maybe your Instagram story is just behind the scenes of showing what your clients are, how they're interacting, how they're having fun. You don't actually even have to appear on it, I don't think. I don't think that specifically is necessary. Um, just sort of your voice can be heard in how you present things and how you lay them out. And, and the thing that you are is funny, and you can make and you can write, and you can make jokes, and you can observe things. And I think that that is part of your voice. You don't necessarily have to have your ugly old face on it all the time. You know? Right, right. <laughs> all right, all right. It's it's good stuff. I mean, I do it. I don't know if it works, but, you know, I always look to you to see what kind of success you're having because you do it so much more than I do. I will tell you, I'm trying a lot of things right now, and video gets a good, great response. I'm trying a lot of things, and video really, really works. Um, Sometimes I try things, and they don't work, and then I stop doing them, or they're too much work. They do work, but they're too much effort to get them rolling. So I try to find the simplest things to fit into my daily routine that are going to be make the best like i'll have a day like a wednesday when i f- will have three or four photo shoots and i'll do behind the scenes of three or four photo shoots and, I'll, and that'll give me enough social media marketing you know behind the scenes stuff for for a week right you know take pictures of the lighting setup do time lapse videos like if you have a busy day you can make all your social media content for a week or even two weeks depending on what you make in just that one day so, you know, it's it's not something that you have to be doing every day, but you do kind of have to plan it out a little bit and get a, get your get your hands around it. And I wouldn't recommend doing every social media platform, but you do have to get your hands around what you can do and figure that out and how to fit it in. Because if you're not doing it, you're certainly leaving money on the table, that's for sure. Okay. All right. Good advice. Good advice. I'll start doing more or trying to anyway. Here I am melting to death on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> that's another problem. I look like a hot mess. When I'm yeah, working. it's windy. It's not pretty. It's not yeah. pretty. No, it's not pretty at all. Okay, let's uh, let, let's uh, talk about what's coming up. Um, okay, you go ahead. Uh, we've got uh, I got stuff coming up pretty much every single month. Coming up in just a couple of uh, weeks, I will be in Eufaula, Alabama, at Lake Point State Park Resort for the uh, PPMA convention. Just go to ppma.net. I'm doing an entire day of teaching on my system, five-minute photography, how to take a great picture of anyone, anywhere, at any time in five minutes or less. That is June 5th uh, this year, coming up uh, this coming June 5th. Coming up July 30th, it's going to be uh, Imaging USA's IPC, the International Photographic Competition. And I'll be doing doing IPC Live. And uh, at this point, I think the very first episode of IPC Live is actually not going to be me. Uh, we're going to have a guest host coming in, uh, and uh, oh, we I haven't talked to you about this, Gary Hughes. There's a very good chance you will be on the very first episode of IPC Live. Really? Because you are going to be there as a judge, 
Yeah. And I am flying in late because I have a wedding. So the very first episode will probably be Rich Newell, and he's probably going to have you on to be on the episode with him to help carry him. Great. Oh, he. you know what? He did message me while I was on my trip, and he's like, hey, yeah. give me a call when you get back. So that, that's, that's probably, probably what that's, that's about. That's probably what it's about right there. So so there's Great. a good chance that the first episode of IPC Live with Boo Ray Perry will actually be with, with Gary Hughes. So there's oh, something to look forward to. Uh, coming <laughs> that's, up, that's a big shoes to fill, man. <laughs> that's the biggest I can do right there. That's as big. <laughs> That's as big as it goes. No, it's really I'm telling not. you, though, you're good at it, and I, really I, I wouldn't want to have yeah. to do it. I, I wouldn't want to do this without you, man. It's like oh. you, you add all the good stuff. All the I, I do all the boring content, and you do all of the funny stuff. Okay, well, that's nice of you to say. <laughs> Coming up September 9th, it is uh, The Prodigal Son's Return to the Scene of the Crime. So it excited is, about that. Yes, it's the Focus Convention here uh, in Florida, in Orlando. September 9th through the 11th. Go to RUNFocus.com. The lineup at the convention this year is stellar. I know we keep saying this, but it is. I mean, you've got Lindsay Adler, Andrew Funderburg. I mean, I can't even tell you how many awesome. And I've been looking yeah, Ted at. Ted Lenzak. Um, I forget the woman's name. It's the Nikon sponsors her. She's like a war correspondent. You know? It's yeah. The, yeah. We're having one of those speakers who comes in who is not talking about the stuff we normally get where I'm portraits, I'm babies, I'm weddings. We're getting someone who's a little bit outside that realm. That, Stacey that Pearsall. Yeah that, yeah, that none of us are trying to do, but yet she's so good and so big at it that you're going to be riveted by learning right. about what she does. You know, and, and I've heard nothing but great things about her and, and about her presentation. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and, of course, we'll be doing Photobomb Live. So, yep. yeah, it's going to be great. It's uh, going to be September 9th to the 11th in Orlando, Florida. And you should come from far and wide. You should come. Go to RUNFocus.com and then come party with us and see some great speakers. Yeah, it's going to be. We always have an absolute blast. We may or may not go do Korean karaoke afterwards. Oh, my God, the Korean karaoke. Listen, I need a tetanus shot and some sort of other influence of bug virus or something just to go near that place. I I thought at any minute that we were going to be killed or sold into white slavery. Oh, we were. It was Uh, just scary, that place. It was was awesome. It really was. And that's your town. Yeah, hey, it's not like I built it. You know? It was like you park park in the back by the dumpster, go up the rickety stairs, in the door, around the corner, past something that has a smell I've never smelled before, and then there's a person there who will escort you to a room where you can have karaoke. Yeah, it's pretty great, right? <laughs> not pretty great. It was downright scary. <laughs> so so I've, uh, if you, if you want to see me and you happen to be in the west coast of the United States, on uh, June 13th, I'll be doing a headshot intensive in San Diego, California with the uh, PPA of um, San Diego. That will be taking place at the University of San Diego, which gives me quite a lot of credibility. Uh, you can call me Professor Gary from now on. That'll be great. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a program on the, on, the, on the night, a short form on the business of, of headshots, and then the next day it's going to be a lot of shooting and hands-on headshot intensive. It'll be really cool. And then on June 19th, I'll be doing my business of headshots program for the Austin, Texas PPA. So if you're in the Texas area and you want to hang out, um, one of my favorite towns in America, Austin TX, I'll be there. Just go to austinppa.com. And as of this last week, I'm very, very excited to say that this coming January, I will I have signed my contract and I will be a uh, masterclass speaker at the Societies of uh, the Societies of Wedding and Portrait Photographer Convention in London. Well, so, yeah, that'll be pretty cool. That is very cool. 
Yeah, so I'm going to be doing two different classes. One on um, the, uh, one that I just did for um, Shutterfest. I'll be doing, and it's called Master Your Marketing. And then I'll be doing another class also uh, on the business of headshots. So that's going to be really, really cool. I get to be in London in January, which will be warm and sunny. I hear it's perfect over there that time of year. Really excited. You must be looking that. forward to going back to the homeland for a while. Yes. Well, I'm going to make sure I get my passport and my, <laughs> my green card sorted out before then. Um, that's for sure. Um, basically, I decided to book that gig because I found out I'm getting deported. So yes. that, that should be funny. <laughs> you can find us online at facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. You can find our website at photobombpodcast.com. You can send us questions and comments and concerns at questions at photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughesfioretti.com. Yes, My website is com, And we will see you back here next week. Cheerio. Cheerio.